What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Jesus Jerry Rogers, up in the building, and today I am joined by Mr. David Wise for a special Saturday edition of Locked on Seminoles. Dave, what are we talking about today? Drake, we're talking about FSU basketball, and this is going to be the tone. Uh, we probably should have some, like, I don't know, funeral music playing because we have officially sacrificed basketball, apparently, for, like, the football gods. It seems like that's what's happening here, so... Yeah, you're going to hear about what the hell has gone on this season, what we might be able to expect the rest of this season, and maybe a little look ahead to Louisville if we have time. If we have time, and also we're still waiting on the announcement for Jared Verse, so we might do a you know little segue, a little breaking news action here. But today, as right. all we promised, drunks, drunks, dunks, dribbles, and dimes is back and better than ever. And let's not hold you back any further, folks. Let's just go and take it away right now. Are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. Happy Saturday, everybody. It's your boy Drake here, sitting on the top of the hour as well. I'm joined by Mr. David Wise. Davey, what's up, beautiful? What's going on? Well, it's funny that you said drunks, dibble, dribbles, and dimes. If hey, in case I, I, you I cut, cut that I out, cut, I, I cut that out. I no, cut that no, out. No, I want everyone to hear that because it's actually like a Freudian slip. Because to watch this Florida State basketball team dribble and lack of dimes, you need to be drunk. So, yikes. Yeah, Dave, the basketball team hasn't been doing particularly well on the court, if we're being honest here. But before we know, we dive into that. So, we just want to thank you all so much for you know being our listeners each and every single day, Monday through Friday. Sometimes Saturdays you listen to this right now, either on the YouTube or our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, where we get your podcast from. Just don't forget to five star reviews, hit the like button, subscribe, and ding the little bell. Now, Dave, we like to play, you know, Dr. Dave's diagnosis here on Triple D's, kind of matches up you know, really well. What exactly is wrong with this FSU basketball team? Well, Drake, what's not wrong? Um, it starts. And probably ends with the offense or total, complete, and utter lack thereof. There is zero cohesion on this offense. There is a lack of depth on this offense. It's obviously, because offense is a problem, scoring is a problem. And the last couple of years, even when we've been good, including that team two years ago that could have, if not should have, won a national championship, still had these Hamilton-esque periods of time during the games where we would go on these like inexplicable scoring drafts and with the lack of like true players that can just take over games this year and, and a lack of five guys who can all score out there at once, you're seeing that way more prolonged. I think we went, Jesus Christ, what was it against wake? We had like an eight or nine minute stretch where I don't think we made a basket, which is almost a quarter of the game. Yeah, pretty much right now we complained a lot of how Coach Hamstein suffer from score scoring drives where they just don't score the game throughout the, throughout the game. Now it just feels like we just don't score in the game at all. Period. Yeah, it's gone from a, a, a drought to like just a desolate game of scoring, and I just don't know what exactly is the problem. Whether it be you see Caleb Mills, like we kind of knew him coming in from Houston, he would be high volume shooter, but the problem is he's taking twenty of those shots. Making it about four to five, I think he's doing his best Dion Warriors impression thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then you have someone like Anthony Polite, who 
coming into the year, we needed to take that extra step forward and being a sharpshooter. And he just hasn't been able to capitalize on that. I think the only person actually that's that's has gone above and beyond what we expected them to do is Malik Osborne, aka the Garnet Goblin. Yeah. It's if if you run through the stats of this team, I mean, you struggle to find things that we do well on offense. It's funny because we've been really bad at three point shooting. Like we're shooting thirty three percent on the nose, which is two hundredth in the country. Not good. But the funny thing is, we're actually worse at two point shooting. We're shooting uh, 50% from two, but that's 210th nationally. So we're not shooting twos well. We're not shooting threes well. We're not shooting free throws well. 177th in the country. We're terrible at rebounding, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Against Wake Forest, we got out-rebounded by 22. That's a lot of possessions to lose. You can't score if you're not getting the ball. And did it also during Wake, the Wake Forest game, we actually we led the turnover margin actually in that game? Yeah, they... <laughs> They had 22 turnovers to our 10. I don't know. I don't know what the worst stat of that game is to be out rebounded by 22 to have a turnover margin or 12 better than the other team and still lose by 22 or to go four of 25 from three. Those are three incomprehensible stats, any one of which in a game you would just shake your head at. And, and somehow we managed to do all three at the same time. It just incredible how out of sync this offense is it is really incredible and i'm not only going to say that i think it's also incredible that everyone knows for those of you you know first time listening welcome but dave is a big person that's into uh, bartorvik.com which is a very yep. advanced metric stat could you explain to them actually what that is exactly real quick yeah so a lot of people know ken palm um it's it it does adjusted numbers like offense defense uh tempo Bart Torvik does a very similar thing. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what the hell their algorithm is, but it's very similar competing uh, advanced stat method of calculating the value of college basketball teams and their offensive defensive ratings. And Florida State, Drake, where are we at? We are 57th overall in the country and Bart Torvik. Keep in mind, I believe that is the first time in over a half decade at least that we've been outside the top 50. I, I think in any given week, I think like at all. And it's not just that we're 57th, whatever. If there's 64 best teams in the country or 68, then theoretically you should make the tournament. But the offense is 137th. That is, I, I, I don't think any Florida State unit, offensive or defense, in the last 10 years has, has been that low. I'd be shocked. You'd be shocked too. And it's really one of the things I like to preach on a lot of our locks in ACC where I'm on on Fridays, where is that you never know a team's ident- true identity until you get to the middle of January. So that's kind of when you conference play starts to pick up a little bit more. You get closer to conference tournament time, then boom, I know where you're in March. And with this FSU team, you know, we started out the game really hot. I mean, I'm pretty sure I was over here, you know, but we beat a pen by 30 points. And we thought I was going to, I was thinking there would be a final four team. Then we drop one to Florida. We, we won close ones against Tulane, against Boston University in, in overtime. Yep. And then we lose three in a row to a, a Syracuse team, a Purdue team, and South Carolina team. And since then, I think we've gone like, what, two out of four? You know, leading up to that. So it's like, with this team, this feels like the first team in a very, very long time that we may struggle to make the tournament, and most likely that we might not even be able to make it because it feels like we're just a very young team in a very guideless team, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. And I don't know 
I don't know how the team gets better. It's not like one of those ham teams where they start slow, but you know they're going to improve. Like this team, you would expect to improve, sure. But it's funny because on Ken Palm, one of the stats they calculate, and who the hell knows how they do this, is luck. Florida State is 188th in the country, but really close to zero, meaning we haven't been particularly lucky or unlucky. So it's not like we've just had bad luck, whatever the hell that means. And yeah, I was about to ask, like, what the hell? How do you I, do luck? Who knows? Like, I don't know. Is that but, guy good at Vegas or something? If you, if you can calculate for luck? <laughs> yeah, you tell me. But I mean, like, if we were ridiculously unlucky, then that would just make me think, okay, like, keep playing ball. I'm sure Ham's preaching the right things in practice because it's always worked out. And again, I've said this so many times before, it's a testament to how great of a program Leonard Hamilton's built that we're like disappointed in a basketball team that's still ranked top 50 statistically, but it's the, the defense is playing well. Um, we're top 30 in both Ken Palm and Bart Torvik in defense. And again, I don't know how you get the offense fixed. And it's weird because we're running a, a pace of 109th in the country, which is faster than the average. And if you're going to run a fast pace and you're not going to score, uh, that's a bad combination. That's like a, an offense in football that's running no huddle and it's just going three and out every time. It's not going to so, work. So the Woods Haggard offense in 2018, 2019, is that what you're telling me right now? God, yeah, pretty much. Oh, that's, that's extremely rough. But it's really interesting to see like how we're going to respond moving forward because we did you know, get blown up by Wake, who I will say it's kind of ironic how Wake's football team had the best team they've ever had. And then this year they have a potential top 15, top 10 pick and Alondra's Williams transfer coming in there. Now we play Louisville today as you're listening to this. Yep. Then we play Miami on Tuesday. And I would be would not be surprised if we're favored in both games. I think Bartolvik has us winning, you know, each of those games by around five, maybe six points projection wise. But then we play Syracuse and then we'll play Duke in the back to back. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how our team kind of, you know, responds to that because we did have the COVID pause. The COVID pause kind of did hurt us a little bit. We didn't play as many as we should. Yep. But who do you want to see or who do you need to see kind of take a step forward and being kind of the man, the go-to guy actually for his team moving forward? I mean, the, the obvious answer is Malik Osborne. And I think he's lived up to the hype of what we thought he was going to be. The problem is he's not. Scotty Barnes only played limited minutes last year because he was a true freshman. So it would be tough in limited minutes to have like a crazy impact, but, and, and he still managed to have a significant impact, but it's it's not Malik Osborne that's the problem. It's everyone. It's like like you said, Anthony Polite shooting two seventy seven from three, twenty seven percent. I mean that's that's not going to get the job done for a guy that's supposed to be your three point guy. Uh, White Wilkes. I know. I hate. I said his name. I apologize. You can bleep it in post production if you want, or keep we, this in because it's okay. Yeah. You know what? For this for this moment, I will keep it in. He's shooting twenty nine percent from three. Uh, Caleb Mills shooting 32% from three. If, if we're going to run an offense that's inconsistent, we at least have to be able to make the higher scoring shot. And it, the inability to make threes this year is going to absolutely sink this team because they're not going to get consistent enough on offense where you're going to see them, you know, where you're going to see two pointers be easy. I mean, it's just never going to happen with this team. So if we're not knocking down threes, I don't know that this is a tournament team. Yeah, I mean, right now, Kyle has all the makings of, you know, not a tournament team. We're basically we're we're really good at making sure the other team to score the basket, but we're not very good in capitalizing sort of, you know, having these sort of runs where we, you know, 
be up 10 points, 12 points, you know, two, they're three or four, where you saw Miami and basketball for right now there. Strangely enough, they're in the top three in ACC right now with scoring, and they were down by 18 to Syracuse and then up beating them by two points. So that's something that we definitely need to respond. I kind of need to look at Coach Ham and be like, listen, you need to have Cameron Fletcher play a little bit more. I think right now he's playing about 35% of the minutes in the game. Overall, I do know I think he was injured for a little bit, but I think he's back now. And that's someone that in every one of our wins or one of our close, you know, wins right there, he's been one of our performers, our, you know, best players. You hear, you hear him for a six-man of the year kind of awards. And to me, that's someone that put him in the lineup, maybe put him in a little, get a little more minutes than a while Wilkes. I think they're right now neck and neck right now with this sort of, sort of thing. And then also with Matthew Cleveland, like I know he's not a Scotty Barnes. He's not a, he's not a Patrick Williams. But I do need him to, you know, take a little bit more or more of a step forward. You know, I know this team is very young, and that's something you kind of harped on in our first few shows. So I just need to see this team maybe not grow up, you know, all the way through, but maybe just like, you know, understanding that you're playing big boy basketball now and kind of be a little more physical to play. I think you're saying that we lost Balsa and we lost Tanner Engom too, you know, to injury. Yeah, I'm glad you said big boy basketball because it's, one of the main areas of issue I pointed out before the season with this team was going to be the big boys, the guys down low. We didn't know a lot about them. We didn't know what John Butler, who needed to put on weight, would look like. We didn't know what Tanner Ngom would look like. We didn't know what Nahima Cloud would look like. And the result is we're not rebounding. We're not getting defensive rebounds. If we're allowing other teams second point chances when our offense isn't scoring, I mean, Jesus Christ, you can't draw up a better formula for losing the teams you shouldn't lose to. And at some point, it's not teams you shouldn't lose to. At some point, they're just better than you or you're worse than them. And if if we don't find a solution for guys that can can box out down low and get rebounds defensively on a semi-consistent basis, like I said even earlier, the three-point shooting is important, but I don't even know if that would overcome things. Like, you can't get out-rebounded by 22 in conference play. You're not going to win that game. I don't care what you do from the three-point line or the free-throw line or anything else. You're just not going to win that game. Too many second-chance points. Agreed. Folks, I know it sounds... <laughs> What's really funny, heading into this year, me and Dave were super stoked oh, about yeah. doing the basketball triple leagues. That's one, one of our babies here. Like We even got Max to get, to get into it last year, too, because he wasn't the biggest basketball fan. Now he's following the team each and every day. And now it's kind of... What's somber? I think is the right term for, for that. Is right now, yeah, because it feels like that the football team's coming back. I mean, we're seeing where now we'll actually do our little transition over to the Jared Verse uh, announcement that just occurred. But what do you? Is there any positives that you can make actually for this basketball team heading into co- the, the bulk of conference play? Is there anything that you know you can have a little hope that actually we can actually turn this thing around? Yeah. Um... I mean, there are some positives. Caleb Mills and Malik Osborne are averaging double-digit points. Matthew Cleveland basically is, too. And it's important that a true freshman like Cleveland is able to average uh, effectively 10 points a game in only 20 20 minutes. That's a pretty good offensive utilization rate, even though, or offensive efficiency rate. He's shooting, you know, 51% from two. It's good to see a freshman like that be one of the more productive offensive players because when it's a freshman doing that, that gives me hope that he's going to continue to get better. And hopefully that'll provide a spark for the offense. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, if it's going to be anything for me, it's just going to be at least the transfer Caleb Mills. I know he's not been overly efficient, but he's still our leading scorer. And a true freshman is 
in Matthew Cleveland is our third leading scorer in double digit points a game, despite limited minutes. If he continues to grow, he could end up being one of the keys to this team, posing a threat in the conference and being a bubble team. No, I completely agree. I think we're going to go as far as Caleb Mills takes us because I think that one thing that we harped on was that we, we didn't have a true point guard for so long. Yeah. And now this is the first year we finally do have one. And we're not capitalizing on it because we don't have the depth across the board. But maybe this team could be like the UNC from last year. UNC with Armando Bacon, Bacon, Bacot. I'm sorry. Kansas like gave me a right. whole entire you know lesson how to pronounce his name. Armando Bacot. And that was a very, very young team that, remember, struggled at the beginning of the year and then ended up being an eighth or a ninth seed hanging in the tournament. Now, granted, they lost to Wisconsin in the first round, but maybe it's something that we'll see with this team because this year, UNC is actually, I think, number two right now in the conference. So maybe it's just simply a young team that's still adjusting to the growing pains of the college game. Now, yeah, typically- and at least they're, sorry, at least they're scrappy. I mean, they're 11th in the country in steals, they're 46th in blocks. At least they're scrappy. There are positives to look at. That's one of them. Keep forcing turnovers. You know what? I love that. I love that. Just keep things positive because I think that we'll be able to celebrate a little more FSU basketball wins, you know, in the coming future. Now, let's shift over to the actual bread and butter yeah. of the Florida State Athletic Program. We just we received word by Twitter and himself. So I think everybody else received word too when we're recording this that Jared Verse actually finally did commit to FSU. To the good today. guys. To the good guys. The defensive end from Albany. Dave, you have been super psyched on this guy. Tell me what you love about him. Yeah. So first of all, he's, I think, sixth or seventh among all transfers in this class. That's what two, four, fifth, top five, you're telling me? Among all transfers, regardless of position in this class. That's ridiculous. I may not be an analyst. So A, I trust those guys. But B, if you watch his tape, I know it's Albany. We can say that as many times as you want. But Jesus Christ, he looks the part. Like physically, he looks like a defensive end, but also he plays the part. It's different to me than Marcus Cushney from last year, who when I put his tape on, even watching his tape, the highlights, I thought to myself, okay, that is not what I thought watching Jared versus tape. It seems totally different to me because I can see why a lot of people would be like, how is that any different? Already Cushney's in the portal, didn't make an impact at FSU, just like I said would happen. But I don't see that happening with Jared Verse, and you got to take a chance on somebody with Jermaine Johnson leaving. That's actually big, folks, because you do know that Dave has any, and I think he has a very what bias against anybody that does not play in the Power 5 level. You can go to any oh, yeah. single episode from those anonymous days, either be Group of 5 or the BFCS. So it does mean a lot for him to actually say that he does believe in Jared Verse being a great quality piece. I'm right there with him, too. There's a reason why that when he entered the portal, he had about 30 to 35 offers, like just immediately yeah. come out. Big offers. Big offers. Like I remember University of Florida was one of the first offers to go out. I thought you'd go there originally. Texas. Um, Texas. I know he visited Tennessee. Purdue's on him. Like we fought off probably Tennessee and LSU and Miami at the very last minute. And Jerry versus somebody that I'm very excited to see. And Max says that we need to bring the money ball approach to replacing the Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas production. I wouldn't be surprised if Jared Verse, maybe not this year, but the following years, will be someone that can match that production because he has that six foot four. Near two hundred fifty pound, two hundred fifty pound frame has the speed, the explosiveness, and the one thing I had with Marcus Kushney was that he's a little bit smaller, but he also had the one move. He had the one move, and in, in this sort of college field, especially in the NFL, when you go there later on, you need a little more tools and weapons in your yeah. repertoire to kind of like keep them guessing. So that's kind of where I stand on with Jared Burst. And actually, 
that's a huge pickup for Adam Fuller, who I've been, you know, saying a lot of stuff about when it comes to recruiting, and also for John Bridges as well. Yeah, for for those that don't know, also, I don't even know what conference Albany is, CAA, whatever that means. But Jared Burst was the defensive rookie of the year. He was all conference second team, and he did lead the conference in tackles for loss his freshman year. That's pretty good. I just like you said, the money ball approach. The coaches have to land somebody, and even if the, even if they take a few guys and miss, you gotta get a few guys in here if you're gonna come close to replacing the production of Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas. Yeah, and the, I like how you said that we have to even take the chance on some guys and even miss, even if we bring in some kids, we do that. I mean, we brought in, you know, Mackenzie Milton. He was a miss, but he did, you know, improve the culture of the locker yeah. room. And we brought in Jarquez McClellan, who wasn't, I think he was the one of the first DB transfers we received last year. He wasn't a solid player, but he was a great depth piece. And that's kind of where my sort of, not anger, but frustration with staff is that there are a lot of players that we didn't close on that we were very close to succeeding with. And if we had won more games, we probably would have landed them, such as a Marvin Jones Jr. We'll find out about Kevin Coleman today as you're listening to this. We'll see what how that occurs. But I'm actually just very stoked for seeing for Jared Burst to come in. Number five, a.k.a. the King of Tally, as he says in his uh, commitment edit. It's actually pretty dope. Have you seen yeah, this, Dave? Yeah, pretty cool. It's, a, it's like a king portrait. Damn, I think they did, a pretty, they did a pretty good job on that. Actually, shoot. But i got nothing else to say, folks. Dave, you have anything else to say before the people before we uh, send them out of here? Yeah, man. That's our highest rated transfer. And we have eight transfers now. We are continuing to reshape this roster. Go football. Go football. I think that's what we have. Eight transfers and about 15 of them actually are, are, are signed. Yeah. Something like that. So, so that means we have 23 total kids by, by the math top of my head. That means we have nine more spots to fill. And, folks, as bowl games are done, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some kids from the portal enter from Georgia, from Alabama, from those championship games. We're all stoked to see that as well. You, me, Max, Holly, Stacy. We're all stoked to see. Thank you so much for the love and support. Always, we love you guys so much. We can't wait to see you guys back on Monday. Don't forget, five-star review, you know, Out Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, where we get your podcast from. Also, like the video, like this on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you see me, Dave, Max's beautiful faces, and ding the little bell whenever you want to get a little update. And also hit up me, Dave, or Max for our Discord link to make sure we, we're trying to grow a community here. Actually, I locked on Seminoles and We wouldn't be here without any of you guys. So with that being said, I am Drake. That was Dave. We'll see you all next time. I'll on Seminoles. Kobe.